Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. Okay, today is part 11. I don't know if I've ever done a series that has 11 parts. That's probably the longest series we've ever done. Um, today is part 11 and our final message in our series called Builders of the Wall. I've enjoyed preaching this series um, you know, I have to get up here and share something every week, you know, so I have to go to the Lord and the Lord gives me stuff. And sometimes it's like, I think this is good. You know, other times the Lord just gives you a download. Like, this is what I want you to give this whole series. I feel like has been a download from the Lord where he, he highlighted Nehemiah chapter three to me and the gates, um, that there were rebuilt in the rebuilding of Jerusalem and Nehemiah chapter three are a prototype for us. They're a, they're a model for us that uh, Holy Spirit-filled, life-giving churches need to have an operation. They represent ministries that we need to have an operation here at the church. So um, I'm going to do a review because we've got to tie it all together today as we're ending. Um, so go ahead and put up the picture of uh, Jerusalem. This is Jerusalem, Nehemiah's day. These are the walls they were rebuilding. <clears throat> we started, of course, with the Sheep Gate. <clears throat> The first thing life-giving, spirit-empowered churches need to do is provide a place where the spiritual needs of believers can be met. We are all part of God's flock, amen? <clears throat> Pastors are the shepherd, shepherds of God's flock, and so we had to open the sheep gate. But the very next thing life-giving, spirit-empowered churches need to do is open the fish gate. The fish gate speaks of evangelism. A church that doesn't believe in evangelism and doesn't evangelize will eventually die. Unless they have a lot, a lot of babies. I don't know. Okay. Okay. The very next thing, <clears throat> pardon me. The very next thing we need to do is, <clears throat> I'm going to take care of this real quick and then we're going to go for it. <clears throat> Jesus said to his disciples, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. How many of you want to be fishers of men, fishers of people? How many want to evangelize? I want God to use me in that capacity. The next gate after that is the old gate. This is the discipleship gate or wisdom's gate. Uh, my wife, Pastor Emily, she preached amazing word um, about this. When you get those new fishies coming into the fold, you got to help them mature. How do you do that? You get the new believers around the old believers and, and, and that rubs off on them. So we want to have the old gate. We want to have the gray hairs up in here, those mature believers. And you're not just mature by virtue of being old. You're mature by virtue of how long you've been walking with Jesus and how much he's, you've allowed him to work in you. All right. The next gate after that is the valley gate. The valley gate is ministry to the brokenhearted, ministry to those coming through the low places. We've all kind of gone through valleys in our own lives, haven't we? Jesus said this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bind up the brokenhearted. The broken places, the wounded places, if you've ever um, experienced the death of a loved one, if you've ever gone through divorce, if you've ever experienced bankruptcy, if you've ever been fired from your job, if you've ever had a bad diagnosis from the doctor, if you've ever experienced a miscarriage, those things can all be deep, deep valleys. And as a church, we want to be um, a people that can minister to people coming through those valleys. 
The next gate after that is the dung gate, the least glamorous gate of all, but very important, okay? The dung gate, what does that speak of? That speaks of deliverance. It speaks of healing from your yesterday so that you can step in to God's tomorrow, okay? There's a reason why the dung gate comes after the valley gate. Oftentimes, people coming through valleys, they got some stuff they got to purge, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so whatever, whatever is holding you back from your yesterday, we need to let it go. We need to purge our past, forgive offenses, and release regret. The next gate after that is the fountain gate. This speaks of the gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this, um, whoever believes in me, rivers of living water shall flow from their belly. Rivers of living life, water will flow from their belly. This speaks of the gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit. We want the move of the Holy Spirit in our church and we want the move of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our homes, amen? The next gate after that is the water gate. Pastor Leslie did an amazing job bringing that word. And this speaks of the Bible, the word of God. This is so important for us believers. Listen, there's none of us that are mature enough in the Lord that we don't need this every day of our lives. Again, we're coming up on a new year. People make New Year's resolutions. I wanna encourage you, get into this every single day. You need it when you're on vacation. You need it when on your day off. You need this every single day. Get into the word every day. None of us are strong enough to face what this world is throwing at us without this. So get into the word. It's super important. Um, the next gate after that is the horse gate. This speaks of spiritual warfare. When the armies of Israel would go out to fight in battles, they would go out through the horse gate. Uh, horses are powerful war animals um, in the natural. But how many know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but, but against uh, spiritual forces in, heaven, in the heavenly realms, in the spirit realm? Psalm uh, 26 and 7 says this, Now this I know, the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in uh, chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. Okay, so the horse gate speaks of spiritual warfare. I want everyone who, who calls City Lights Church their home to know what it means to go into spiritual warfare and to know how to fight spiritual battles. Many times we're fighting the wrong battle. We're fighting things in the natural. We think this is all whatever coincidence. Many times the things we're going through is a spiritual battle. Why? The enemy hates you. He hates what God's called you to do. He hates your destiny and he wants to throw you off. Okay. And then last week we talked about uh, the East Gate. The East Gate. This speaks of Christ's second coming. Okay, why is that? Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, will physically, visibly, and literally descend upon the Mount of Olives, cross through the Kidron Valley, and he will enter into Jerusalem through the East Gate. There, this little baby that we're celebrating this week, that little baby that was born in this world, there, this King of Kings and Lord of Lords will rule and reign the entire planet for a thousand years. This is the millennial reign of Jesus that the Bible talks about, okay? Jerusalem will be the capital of the world for a thousand years, and Jesus himself will be the, the king who rules. It's going to be a good time right there. Okay, part of God's recipe for life-giving spirit-empowered churches is that we are all anticipating the return of the Lord Jesus, looking, longing, and anticipating. 
it's not enough. I don't, and this is what I talked about last week. I don't believe it's enough to just know like, yeah, he's going to come back. I th- it's great that you would know that. What's important though, for the Christian, and there's something purifying, and there's something good for us and healthy for us when we're actually looking, longing, and, and waiting for the return of our Lord, okay? Not just knowing. Okay, so church, are you longing for his appearing? Are you longing for the appearing of the Lord Jesus? Uh, Pastor Howard's word, look up, because your redemption draws nigh, all right? Now we come to the final gate in this series, and that is this, the inspection gate, the inspection gate. I want to give you a little, uh, little bit of historical context on this gate. This is the place where kings would inspect their armies getting ready to go out to battle. And it's a place where they would come back in and, and watch their armies as they return from going out into battle. Of course, kings in those days were supposed to lead their armies in battle, which they did. And then they came back through that gate. It's also a gate where they, um, if you were entering the city and you were a foreigner, you would register at that gate. It was a place of registry. It was a place of um, where you would pay a temple tax. And it was a place where kings would inspect their armies. Okay. Um, it's also a place where the king would reward warriors who fought valiantly in battle. He would recognize them as they're coming back into the city, recognize what those warriors did. And and if there was particular ones that fought more bravely than others, the king would recognize those who fought. Today, what I want to do is I want to highlight three types of inspection that we all must undergo. Okay, three types of inspection. I want to spend the most time on the first one I'm going to talk about here. And I want to say that... um, in, in order of the way these will happen, the one I'm going to talk about first is the last inspection that will happen, okay? And I need to start with the last inspection, otherwise you won't take the first two seriously. And I want you to take the first two seriously, okay? All right. How many know that when you're a general contractor, you're building a house, you need to get various inspections throughout the process, right? Rick, you're a general contractor. How many inspections do you get, like you build a house from the ground up? How many, approximately? Six or seven inspections, right? There's, there's a foundation inspection, framing inspection, electrical inspection, plumbing inspection. And then there comes a day when you get the final inspection. Okay, the final inspection. I want to talk to you first about the final inspection. There is coming a day when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will evaluate your life. He will evaluate the time that you spent here on earth. I'll say it this way. There is coming a day when God will judge each and every one of us. Okay. I want to talk about two types of judgments that the Bible talks about. Two types of judgments. One of them is for the believer and one of them is for the unbeliever. Okay, the first one I'll talk about for the unbeliever. This is the great white throne of judgment. This is the judgment that unbelievers face. Revelation 20, 11 through 13 says this. Then I saw a great white throne and on him uh, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Another book was opened, which was the book of life. 
The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Jump down to verse 15. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Okay, this is a sobering passage of scripture. The great white throne of judgment is a place where sinners will be judged for their sin, for the things that they did, okay? You and I, you don't want to face this judgment, okay? This is not a judgment you want to face. Um, You want your name written in that book. You want your name written in the book of life, okay? How do you do that? Leslie just explained it very well. You have to place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus and surrender your life to him. Surrender your life to the Lord Jesus and follow him. That's how you get your name written in that book. Okay, now I want to talk about a second type of judgment, and that's one for believers. Okay, Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11 says this. So we make it our goal to please him. I'm just going to pause right there real quick. Is it your goal to please the Lord? It's my goal to please the Lord. It's my goal to live a life that pleases him. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Okay, in the the Greek, the judgment seat here is, is the word is the, the bema seat. In the Greek, it's the bema seat. In, in that Greek culture and, and in the Roman culture at that time, when you go into a city, there was a, a judge's seat. It was called the bema seat. And this is a place where they would administer justice and make rulings. But it's also the place where um, athletic events were judged from the seat. And so this judge would judge an athletic event and then give rewards based upon how um, people who were playing in certain games um, performed, okay? You could say it this way. The Bema seat of Christ is the rewarder seat, okay? Now, Christians, we are not judged for our sins. We're not judged for our sins. The world is judged for their sins. Our sins were taken care of on the cross. The blood of Jesus covers our sins as far as the East is from the West. I I care, you know, I care. Sometimes people are up here and they point one way and they're like, that's South. I'm like, no, it's not. Okay. I care about these things. As far as the East is from the West, so far he has removed our sins from us. Okay. He's not going to judge you according to your sins because Jesus took your sin upon himself on the cross and he paid for him with his blood. But the Bema seat of Christ is where Christ will reward us for things we did or didn't do in this life. Now, I need to say that some Christians will get into heaven, but it's possible to to get into heaven yet still feel a sense of, of loss because you didn't live up to the potential that Christ had for you. Okay, it is possible to not, to get into heaven, but not live up to the potential that Christ has for you. This is important for us. Um, you know how they have um, the investor people to help you invest money? What are they called? I just heard like 10 different things. Okay, people to help you take your money and, and invest it. So think of me as a, um, an investor helping you invest for eternal rewards, okay? You can think of me like that, okay? Um, I say that, I say this because 
It's in the Bible, and I want us, I want each and every one of us to be ready for that day to stand before the Lord on the day of his return, on the day of his appearing. Um, it won't matter what I think of you on that day. It won't matter what anyone thinks of you on that day, good or bad. It will only matter what Jesus looks at you and thinks of you on that day. Are you living your life for those eyes to look at you and to reward you? 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15, Paul gives an illustration as the building illustration here. He talks about um, building our lives. Okay, Paul says this, by the grace uh, God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care for no one can lay any foundation other than the one I laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Okay, the Lord's gonna test the quality of each person's work. And now how many know if you have a building made out of gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, and straw, and fire tests the quality of that building, three of those things are gonna remain and three of those things are gonna be burned up, okay? Some of us are building our life with with um, gold, silver, costly stones. Some of us are building our lives on things that don't matter in eternity. We're spending a lot of time and energy, and sometimes they even look holy, but there's, those are things that God has not called us to, okay? Verse 14, if what has been uh, built survives, the builder will receive a reward. That's what we want. Verse 15, if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet will be saved. Okay, it's possible to get into heaven because our faith and trust is in the Lord Jesus and suffer loss. Okay, feel a sense of loss on that day. I don't know, don't exactly what that looks like or feels like, but it's possible to uh, feel a sense of loss. Okay, uh, they will be saved even though as one escaping through the flames. Okay, here's my point. What you believe determines where you will spend eternity. But what we did here on earth determines the eternal rewards we will receive, okay? You need to hear this. People don't like talking about this because it makes them feel uncomfortable. This is actually really good news for you because it's amazing. Like we can actually store up treasures in heaven, okay? How will you be judged? Okay, this is, this is how you will be judged. According to what he has called you to walk in, okay? God isn't going to judge you according to what he's called me to do. And he's not going to judge me according to what he's called you to do. He's only going to judge us according to the potential that he's given for us. Notice what Paul says here in, in verse, um, verse 10. He says, by the grace given me, I laid a foundation as a wide, wise builder. Okay, so according to the grace of God in your life, God will judge you according to what you were supposed to do. Okay, so if you don't have grace to be a, I, I don't know, anything. <laughs> if you don't have the grace to be a, a uh, to, to be a manager of a bank and start a bank and be a manager of a bank, God's not going to judge you for that. Maybe you had a grace for something different. Maybe your grace was to be an amazing stay-at-home mom or artist or something. <laughs> Just whatever, whatever you want to say. Okay, if God's given you grace for it, that's what he's going to um, judge you for, okay? So the word judge kind of has this negative connotation, but this is the reward or seed of Christ, okay? Okay. Um, Ephesians, I, I've read this verse a lot. I talk about this a lot. 
Ephesians 2, 10, uh, 8 through 10, it says this, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by what we do, not by works, so that no one can boast. I love that. I love that salvation is free. It's the free gift of salvation. I can't boast that I'm saved. He did it all. It's so good. Okay, that's how we get right with God. Um, but then, verse 10, it says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay, we're not saved by our benevolent good deeds. We're not brought to him by our good deeds. However, we are saved for them. He saved you for a purpose. He saved you to do something through you here and now on this earth, okay? All right, so each of us needs to find what, that, what we are destined for and walk in it. Um, I'll give you one hint of what God has called you to walk in. Um, we read this verse a little bit ago. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wanna return to it. Second Corinthians 5, uh, 5, 9 through 11. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are uh, in the body or at home in the body or away from it. For we all must appear before the bema seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Okay, very next verse, verse 11. We didn't read this one. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. Okay, he says, we know what it is to fear the Lord. This is to fear the Lord, to live this life knowing that there's coming a day of reward. I'm not judged according to my sins. Those are washed away, but there is coming a day of reward. That's what it means to fear the Lord, to live this life in reverence. Uh, we're not afraid, like the fear of the Lord isn't, I'm not afraid of God. I'm not afraid of his wrath. Wrath has been passed away from me. But I live in such a way where I know that there's a reward coming and I wanna live in such a way where I receive the reward that my Lord has for me, okay? He says, we know what it is to fear the Lord. Since we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. Notice Paul points back here to the fish gate. He points back to evangelism, okay? Um, he says, we know it is to, 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 to reverence the Lord. In light of this, we preach Jesus, okay? In light of this, we preach Jesus. And I will just say this, no matter what God has called you to do or not do, you can never go wrong with preaching Jesus. You can never go wrong with lifting up and glorifying and magnifying the name of Jesus. So, and, and sometimes you tell people like, you gotta find out what God's called you to do and walk in it. And it causes anxiety for people. Like, what if I don't? Oh my gosh. And there's like this fear that comes upon people. Listen, just living for God, loving him and making his name known, you're, you're gonna do well doing that, okay? Just loving him with all of your heart and making his name known, you will do well um, if you do that. Okay, but listen, Jesus sees it all. He, Jesus actually said this, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you will certainly not lose your reward. There's a reward for everything we do for him and in his name. You will not lose your reward. Every time you tithe, every time you give a cup of cold water in his name, anytime you do something, especially if it's unseen, if people don't see it, Jesus sees it and he will reward you for those things, okay? I just wanna encourage you, do not grow weary in doing good because we we're going to reap a harvest, okay? Okay, that's the final inspection. We all must undergo the final inspection. I want us to do well in that final inspection, amen? I want you to do well. I want myself to do well, okay? I want our church to do well. So with that, now that I've convinced you that that's an important inspection, how many, did I convince everyone? That's a good, that's an important day, Okay. Three people raise their hands. 
That's right. All right. I'm going to keep trying then. I want to talk about two other inspections that will help us get ready for the final inspection. Okay. Point number two is self-inspection. Okay. I want to say that it's healthy for us to take inventory from time to time with a caveat inventory with the Lord, with the Lord. Don't take inventory by yourself because you're going to find messes and then you're going to get discouraged and condemned. Take inventory with the Lord. Okay. Paul, um, David said this in Psalm 139. He said this, search me, God, know my heart, test me. In other words, um, inspect me, test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Okay, there's something important about us saying, God, here is my life. The good, the bad, the ugly, everything I am. See it, inspect it, and then for Pete's sake, help me with it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Help me with this. Help me with these shortcomings. Help me with the good, the bad, and the ugly. I need you, okay? That's super important. We're not just analyzing ourselves. We're analyzing ourselves and then asking for God's grace to lead us. Okay, um, another verse, uh, this, is, this one's from the New Testament, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. 28. Uh, Paul says this when we're taking communion. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Okay, when you take communion, communion is not a time to rush in, dip the bread and do your little ceremonial thing. No, communion is a time to, to, to analyze, examine yourself, inspect yourself. And as you're taking communion, and uh, the Lord will lead us and, and uh, show us things that need to be changed, but then he gives us the grace to actually change. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's an important piece. Um, do that from time to time. Do that when you take communion. But I will say this, do it with the blood of Jesus in mind, that your sins have been washed away and that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, if you're, if you're walking along your life and you stumble along the way, which we do from time to time, that's not my identity. My identity isn't a stumbler. My identity is I'm righteous in Christ Jesus, okay? That's an important piece. So when you mess up, you say, God, I thank you. That's not who I am. You've created me for something better. Now help me to walk in that, okay? That's an important piece. But don't be afraid to have self-inspection, introspection with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit, and with the, remind yourself that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, now let's talk about um, another inspection. Point number three. This is where life-giving spirit and power churches come into play. We need to be able to inspect one another. This is an important piece for us, okay? Everyone just got nervous. Um, how many have ever been, like, um, in the wedding party, in a wedding? Yeah? I've been, I've been the best man before. I've been the other men before. Groomsmen. They're called groomsmen. <laughs> And they all look the same. But when you're getting ready for the wedding, you know, you're getting ready. And there are things about you that you can't see, right? But you got the other groomsmen there to be like, hey, this is crooked. Your boutonniere is upside down. Uh, here, this needs to be buttoned. This needs to be unbuttoned. You're inspecting one another because why? We're getting ready for a wedding. Well, listen, body of Christ, we're getting ready for a wedding too. It's called the marriage supper of the lamb. When Jesus comes back, we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we, as the body of Christ, should have the liberty to speak into one another's life. This is part of being part of a body. Okay? 
Maybe you're uncomfortable with the idea of someone speaking into your life, but it's super, super important. Okay? Um, healthy, life-giving churches, we have the liberty to speak into one another's lives. Let me, let me say it like this. We're, we're fruit inspectors. I want to I be able to inspect your fruit, and you should be able to inspect my fruit, right? We should be able to inspect one another's, um, the fruit that we're bearing in this life. Okay, if I see rotten fruit on your tree, I should be able to go over and be like, you know, there's some rotten fruit there. I'd like to help you get that off and get you some healthy fruit. Okay, and vice versa. Okay, this is a healthy um, exercise. Um, when, uh, when I first moved to Greeley in like 2000, I, um, I got a job doing pipeline construction. And um, I was a welder helper. So I would you know, get all the welders gear out and their stuff and help them. And in between their welds, I would buff things off. And anyway, if you've never been pipeline construction, you help the welder. That's what a welder helper does. The job description really does fit the job. You know, sometimes you ask people what they do. You ever ask them what they do and they explain it and you're like, I still have no idea what you do. (laughs) Those people are smart. Um, But welder helper, that one just, right, you got it. Help the welder, okay? (laughs) So, I'm helping a welder, as you do. And uh, when you're building pipelines, and you're constructing them, there's inspections. And when I, back, I don't know how it goes today, um, but back when I was doing it, sometimes, I don't know why they did this with some and not others, sometimes they would x-ray the welds to make sure the integrity of the weld was good. Other times there would be an inspector just look at the welds and say yes or no. Well, there was a, a particular, um, just south of LaSalle, we were working over there, and there was a particular line that we were doing, and we had an inspector come, and he tagged like most of the welds that we did. Like most of them were like not good. And so, you know, the, the welder I'm working for, he's frustrated, so we have to cut them out. He has to redo them. And then he comes and he tags quite a few more of them. And so the welder I'm working for, he's thinking, this inspector has it out for me. He, this guy just does not like me. He's out for me. My welds are good. He's, you know, and he, he's getting mad. He's getting ready to have a fight with him. Well, long story short, it turns out that the welder I was working for, he went to the eye doctor and got himself some glasses and he needed glasses. <laughs> and sure enough, and he was a good welder. He got those glasses. He came back to work. And what do you know? All of his welds started looking really good. And this problem went away. He was, he was an older welder getting closer to retirement, but he was a good welder. But at that time, he just needed glasses. There was nothing personal against this welder. And I just want to say in a, in a healthy body of Christ, if someone approaches you and they say like, hey, I, I see this thing in your life that keeps coming up, this bitter root of unforgiveness, or you know what? When you have a drink of alcohol, you don't just have a drink, you like drink the whole six pack or whatever, you know, and you do that often. What's going on? If people come to you and they prod you a little bit and say, hey, I'm, I'm inspecting your life a little here and giving you feedback. It's not, it, listen, it's not because they have a personal thing against you. It's actually because they love you. You know how much courage it takes to come tell someone they're doing something wrong? Or you see something bad in them? That takes courage. That takes love to approach someone, to talk to them, okay? So we need to be humble enough to receive 
correction from one another. It's not out of um, being judgmental or condemning you. Oftentimes it's because this person loves you and they have the courage to talk to you. We need to be able as a body of Christ, this is something healthy that we need to have here is to be able to speak into one another's life and receive feedback. And if that hurts, go away, pray about it, and then come back and oftentimes the Lord will show you, you know what, that was something I needed to work on. I did have a, an answer I should have, okay? So Proverbs 27, five through seven says this, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. The wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Okay, we all need people in our lives that can wound us. Maybe you don't have permission for everyone to wound you, although you should listen to people. But there should be people in your life who are honest, who have the ability to wound you. A good way to do that is to get married. Right? (laughs) My wife's not here, so I can talk about her. You guys, she wounds me. She wounds me all the time. You should talk to her, okay? Your, your pastor, she wounds your pastor. Okay, no. <laughs> and oftentimes, it is, it is truth and love. It is truth and love. And I have to go away and think about it. I'm like, man, she's probably right, you know. I have a, I have a video I want to play. And I think this is, in healthy church culture, this is the epitome of what truth and love Looks like. We're gonna play a video. It's from the movie Rocky Balboa, which is a cool movie. And right before this scene, Rocky's son basically says, My life stinks and it's all your fault. And so that's where we'll pick it up. Go ahead and roll this. You ain't gonna believe this. Well, you used to fit right here. I'd hold you up and say to your mother, this kid's gonna be the best kid in the world. This kid's gonna be somebody better than anybody ever knew. And you grew up good and wonderful. It was great just watching every day was like a privilege. Then the time come for you to be your own man and take on the world, and you did. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. I'm always going to love you no matter what. No matter what happens. You're my son, you're my blood. You're the best thing in my life. But until you start believing in yourself, you ain't gonna have a life. Don't forget to visit your mother. 
there is a final inspection coming for you and for me. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is coming back to this world. And I want us to do well. And in order to get ready for that inspection, we have to inspect ourselves from time to time. And we have to be bold enough to speak into one another's life from time to time. Why don't you guys stand to your feet? I'm going to invite the ministry team forward. And I just want to ask today, are you ready for that final inspection? And are you open to the inspections in the meantime? This is the inspection gate. And healthy church cultures have that gate open. I'm going to pray and then we'll, I don't know what we'll do. Leslie will figure it out. So, Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for today. And I thank you for every individual in this place, Lord. And uh, God, I thank you that you have called each of us to specific things in this life. I pray we'd walk in them in fullness in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just ask for grace, Lord, today to grace to change, grace to transform, grace to be more like Jesus. What a goal to be more like Jesus. God, as we go into this next year, God, help us to walk and look and be more like you. We love you, God, in Jesus' name. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.